Bakın deyip Put it in deep Branton with a steal Branton and back hands up He scores Getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Getting a lot of pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, wear them down. Get pucks in, pucks in. Pucks in deep, puck deep. Pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Here we are, pucks in deep, episode 18, and oh boy, we got a full one for you today, folks. It's Josh Coleman, it's Adam Lesko, and once again, it's the Pucks in Deep podcast. You can find us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Coleman42. At Lesko Adam, and I mean the discussion is raring right now. The Oilers have finally fired Shirelli. We're going to touch on that. We're going to take you around the boards like we normally do. And we got Tyler Matter as friend of the show returning for his second appearance here in the Puck Pod. So we'll bring that to you in our second segment. And Lesko, welcome back. It's been a heck of a week, and I guess the Oilers couldn't have picked a better time really to have relieved their general manager of his duties just before our episode is going to be recorded. I was stoked to see that news this morning. Uh, perfect timing. No for offense, us. Peter. No offense, Peter. <laughs> so yeah, the timing has been good, and uh, we've been having a great time bringing you the news and the notes from the NHL week by week, and we're glad that you're tuning in, and we hope that you're enjoying uh, what we're bringing to you as far as our content and. You know, our opinions, you got to take them with a grain of salt. Maybe you don't like them, but we'd like to hear from you regardless. So make sure you're following us and sharing the pod with all your friends and family and coworkers and whatnot, because we're we're growing quickly and we're really looking forward to seeing Tyler in the second half of this episode. As I mentioned, we're going to do some Oilers. We're going to do some all-star game with Tyler, a little bit of that. Um, and then a little bit of Leafs. We're going to ask him to put his Leaf hat on because he did mention in his first appearance that he is a Leaf fan, let's go. So we might as well pick his brain because i think every leaf fan needs their brain picked right now or stomped on or i don't know what gotta calm the hysteria calm the masses the pitchforks are coming out they're sharpening the pitchforks that's a good yeah they're not necessarily out they're just getting prepared yeah but the pitchforks have been out in edmonton for a while and we've finally seen the result of that yeah i mean uh yeah, let's just uh, let's go around. Let's go around the boards. I don't really want to get too much into the Edmonton thing. I, I want to save it for when we can have a good chat with Tyler. Um, but really, I think everyone could agree. Let's go. It's just basically about time. I mean, it's about time that it happened, is it not? Well, and not only is it about time, but it's also a matter of well, what was it? Everything. <laughs> yeah, Pretty much yeah. everything. I know. I was. <laughs> I was listening. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of you know. Uh, news articles and things to listen to over the course of early this morning and uh, throughout the day today. And basically everyone kind of agrees. It's There's just so many things that you can pinpoint that it's almost unfair to single one thing out because it's basically a, a multitude of things that have gone very poorly within that organization. And I think it really starts from the top. Yeah. There's a lot to it, and we'll get into that later. Uh, I guess we'll fire it off uh, to Columbus right now. 
Uh, they made an interesting hire. They brought in Marty St. Louis, who I believe previously was coaching minor league hockey. For was his, he? For his kids, yeah. So I guess they hired him as a special teams consultant. So that would be interesting bringing a guy like that. Help them generate some offense, no doubt. Well, so we see – let me get this straight here. So we see coaches in this league that are assistant coaches, and their job specifically is the power play and or the penalty kill. Um you know, coaches and assistant coaches, well, assistant coaches specifically, I guess, they have different roles. It's not always about just having a conversation and helping the head coach make a decision. He'll The head coach will have an assistant coach for a certain job. And I think you could probably even break that down even further, Lesko, to say, uh, I want you to handle our six on five when we pull the goalie. Because not, not all the time during a timeout and the goalie is pulled, it's not all the time that we see the coach drawing it up on the board, the coach explaining to the players what he wants. A lot of times we see the assistant coach doing that. So there are specific jobs that are given to the assistant coaches. And my question here is I'm wondering if we're going to see maybe a shift, maybe a shift away from a guy on the bench, specifically looking after special teams and more towards a guy within the organization who watches from a distance and sees problems and issues, and it helps with the coaching staff to fix problems. I think teams have already moved in that direction. You look around at the expansion of the staff, especially a team like the Leafs teams with a little bit of extra cash. This is where they gain a competitive edge, right? It's hiring consultants. It's hiring right. former players. And I think um, Adam Oates said it best. I don't know if you listen to him on Spit and Chicklets. He's like a personal coach I now. didn't. Um, so they, he's of the belief that the movement is going to go towards teams basically having specialized coaches, not just for certain aspects of the game, but for individual players themselves. Okay, I see. So you see we're starting to get into more specifics, right, and not having it to be so so broad where it's coming down from one coach or three coaches. It's There's a lot more coaches off the ice now than there are on the bench. Yeah, and that, that, yeah so that brings it right back to my original point was maybe we, we're, maybe we might see a, a change uh, with teams. And I know I, I see your point. We are already seeing it. But I, what I'm saying is every team out there right now has a coach and assistant coaches on the bench. Maybe we'll see a time in the future where there's only one bench boss, like it used to be back in the day. Now you've got guys on the bench that are ready there for sticks. They're ready for injuries. They're ready for skate sharpenings. They're doing gloves. They're doing whiteboard. They're helping the players in between shifts. There's so many people involved behind the bench. Maybe at some point we see a transition where there's less bodies on the ice and more paying attention to video and you know watching things from the broadcaster's point of view. Yeah, like I said, I think it's already kind of gone that way. And if you look at uh, some of the staff members involved in some of these teams now, that's that's just kind of how it's shaping out to be, especially with the amount of uh, video and statistical data and review and everything they're doing on a night-in, night-out basis. But yeah, most definitely an interesting hire. I think mostly, well... I'd call it 50-50. I'm interested in the whole special teams consultant thing. I, I want to see where that's going to go. It'll be go. interesting to see like what his role actually yeah. entails because that doesn't tell us a whole hell of a lot, but I'm going to assume it's going to be for, formulating the lines and working with these guys in practice when they're doing those certain drills and is whatnot. He, is he going to teach them to skate in on the goalie backwards? I don't know if they're going to teach him how to make <laughs> sick backdoor cross-ice passes either. He can't teach some of that shit, Remember right? Remember back in the shootout? Like when the spin move was allowed, remember he used to come in on the goalie back, literally skating backwards. 
and then turn around right in front of the crease and make some sort of fancy move. Yeah, I don't know if the shootout still counts as special teams. Very innovative. What else we got here? All right, so we'll move on. My next one on the list here, um, the Ryan Johansson suspension. Did you catch a glimpse of I did catch that. I, I think it was the night of it happened. So basically he, he came down hard. Um, looked like on a shoulder call around head, like basically just r- like right <sighs> down the side of his his bucket onto his shoulder. Oh yeah, and uh, it was an interesting play because he w- he was very off balance and he, he just he was you can tell he's trying to fight back, fight him off sort yes, of situation. Yes, that's where I'm going with. So mine, it's yeah. it's it's not like it's an egregious play or or overly. It's just careless, is what it is. It's reckless, and that's why you get. I think that's where the suspension comes from. You got two games, right? Yes, yeah, two games. So you see, I'm I'm kind of with you, but I'm I'm kind of not like it's. I agree that it's probably not. Uh, you know, over the line, but it's really close. It, it's definitely reckless. It's definitely careless. It's not uh, so. It's not so terrible that we got to give him like a ton of games. No, no, absolutely not. But it's really close to that. And the only reason why I say that is because and I, I have it written down here in the prep. It's accidentally on purpose is what I yeah, think that was. That's what it, it looked like. You know, it's like, you know, you're being aggressive and something happens and you might not have fully intended for him to hit, you know, hit Shifley in the head necessarily. But that's just how it turned out. And I think yeah. that's part of the reason why they suspended him. That's where it's a reckless play, and there was a bit of a dangerous result, as in, like, he got hit partially in the head. Yeah. Could yeah. have been worse type situation. Right. And it could have been nothing. Because right. if Shifley went the other way, or five years ago, that's nothing in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good point, good point. But yeah, I thought it was a little dangerous. Uh, I I like the suspension, and uh, I've actually been, I've I've been surprisingly on board with most of the suspensions that we've seen uh, so far this season. Well, I think they've been bang on. So they've actually been applying the rules properly. Yes, that's right. And if and they've never just, really done that before, yeah, you're right. It was it was kind of uh, when you hear the explanations, you're like yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, know, it, it was. Kind my of, initial reactions aren't always positive, but you know, old, I've made a point of watching those those videos with the, the explainers. Oh yeah, 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 they're good. They're good. To summarize, that's this right. was cross checking. <laughs> those videos <laughs> are pretty funny. Uh, all right, so we'll move on. Next one, uh, Ek sixty five. So we got. Uh, Eric Carlson injured right now, um, missed the last three games prior to the All-Star break. Um, team's looking good without him. Not that they you know, m- don't miss him or anything like that. But um, he was hot. Sharks are looking good. Uh, he was super hot. Um, you know, he probably will remain that way once he comes back and is fully healthy. We don't know exactly what the injury is, Lesko. It is a lower body injury. Uh, but, I mean, he's got uh, 43 points. 40 of those 43 points are assists through 47 uh, games played for Eric Carlson. So he's hopeful to stay and play in the All-Star game. Now, of course, it is in San Jose, so he's already there anyway. Which I thought was weird. And I saw conflicting reports on that. I saw some reports saying that he was going to perhaps participate in the skills and not play in the game. And then I saw one that he's going to participate in the whole weekend. Oh, okay. The one that I saw was basically he was going to see how it was for the skills, right? Because right? the skills comes first. And the skills has much less skating around, moving around, and avoiding potential collisions. Yeah. There's no hitting. Uh, well, I shouldn't say there's no hitting, but they don't really hit you in the All-Star game, but right. you're still going to get bumped. I thought it was weird, though, that even this report came out because if, if he's actually injured, then why would he even most times there's your punch card out of there 
out of the All-Star game. You're injured? All right, I'm not going. Yeah, but it's in San Jose. It's in San Jose. I get and that. And he was chosen. Yeah, of course. So even if he was, even if he had a fucking cast on his leg, I bet you he'd still have to stick around and, you know, take. Partake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I figured that's why there might be some, I don't know if there's actual pressure or not to have him find a way to participate if he is at all able to. But, but you're right, that's his ticket out because he won't get suspended because he's actually no, hurt. he's actually injured. And I wonder if, if part of this is like we're giving him a rest so that if he, I don't know, if it's not a major injury and they can give him a little rest, maybe it gives him an opportunity to participate in the All-Star game, which sounds weird as I say it. Yeah. Resting for the All-Star game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when it's in your team's and you're town, in your building, it's a totally yeah, different ball He's game. a draw. Like you want, and yeah. you're trying to market the shit out of him too, right? To make him stay. Yeah, exactly. You want him to be there so you can look at Eric. Look at all of these Eric Carlson, San Jose yeah. Sharks jerseys. I think that's really a, like a hands-on move from the from the team. The organization? I think so too. Maybe they're in cahoots with the with the medical staff to keep to keep him out of the lineup. Yeah, just tell him he can't play. Tell him he can't play so that he has to rest and be good for the All Star game. Because if he did play, right, then all of a sudden he's like, guys, I'm totally fucked up. Like, yeah, I'm, I need you know, this break. Yeah, exactly. Maybe last night in that seven six game, he's sick of it. He's skating up and down the ice. He's a minus three. He's got three assists all in the power play and he's a minus three and there's, you know, uh, 15 minutes left in the third. And he just says, coach, I, I hate my leg right now. I got to shut it down. And I don't think I'm going to be good for the all-star game. That's a way worse scenario than if he misses a couple games before and then can play no, like from the organization standpoint. Oh, hopefully you can make it out there and put on a show for the kids, shake some hands and kiss some babies. That's right. Or kiss some hands and shake some babies. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not that second one. Eh? I guess that wouldn't be very good. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. Um, next one on the list, Flames. So, I mean, man, I ha- I liked your uh, your point here on the prep. Should the Flames be considered elite slash cup contenders alongside the likes of Nashville, Winnipeg, Tampa Bay, and San Jose, et cetera? And, I mean, I, my answer is I don't know how you don't put them up there. I don't know how you don't put them up there right up there with Tampa. Not not like in Tampa. There's clearly there's Tampa. Tampa's a step above. Yeah. yeah. Tampa is clearly the cream. It has risen to the so top. So you're saying yes then? Yeah. And then the next one down after that, like I don't really know where I go because Nashville has had some struggles in particularly in the net. Yeah. With I, their starter I don't really have Vesna, a... or current, I guess, defending Vesna champion. Winnipeg, kind of the same idea. People yeah. have been asking for more from Connor Hellebuck. What has Patrick Laine, their superstar scorer, been doing? I don't see I don't really have a, a numerical order or ranking for these guys. It's just Tampa and then there's the elite upper echelon teams that you'd consider a cup cup contenders, and those were the teams that that I was wondering if is is Calgary in that stratosphere right now? Oh yeah, and, I and would have to agree. Statistically, it definitely looks like that. Um, obviously, they're riding a bit of a hot streak, but this isn't anything new. They've been hot for go, you know well over a month now. Uh, this goes back to December. I mean, they're absolutely tearing it up. Uh, I, I had a chance to watch them a little bit actually, and just um, you know, at first I wasn't sure where they seemed like a one line team at first. Yeah, but they they've got enough in the bottom. Uh, nine essentially to get it done and they're getting decent secondary scoring and i mean that's with james neal doing nothing right and and they were doing nothing which (laughs) is shocking and it's not a story shocking it's great it's great that the team's doing well because it takes the heat off james neal for for not living up to his contract it's very similar to the gardner problem that we talk about everybody oh gardner this gardner that i know i don't really particularly (laughs) like his defensive play whatever we'll talk about that a different day but at the end of the day when the team isn't doing well 
it becomes magnified. Yeah. The, the zit on your face becomes magnified because it's the only one there and nothing's going right for you. But if everything was going fine and it didn't matter, then I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everything's fine. I, 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 I was reminded of it when I was watching the game and they mentioned like his struggles and I was like, I was barely heard about that this year. And, and like I said, it's because the success of the team has basically outweighed any Covered other story. And I think the success of one Johnny Hockey, oh man, that guy's, that guy's putting him in conversation. He's himself in MVP territory right now. So get like this. He's, he looks unstoppable out there. I know. People fall for the same shit and he gets away with stuff that you would never think you could do on an NHL ice. Let me tell you, those little guys with the hands and the and the vision are very similar. You talk about Goudreau. You talk about Patty Kane. You talk about Mitch Marner, right? These guys, like they're just... Even Barzell, let's put Barzell into that category. He's a little bigger, I yeah. think, than those guys. But well, generally Joe speaking, he's a little smaller than all those yeah. guys, which so puts him in his own category. They're smaller and they're shifty. And sometimes I watch them play and they'll do that spin back. They all do it. Mitch does it. Patrick Kane yeah. does it. Goudreau does it. And which I don't is know. Conducive to possession. Right? I don't know how they don't get filled in by the opposing player. They're they just. Can't, can't catch them, right? I guess, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all edge work. Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal edge work. But let's keep going on the Flames. I want to talk about David Riddick. So, like. I actually one more thing on Goudreau. I forgot I wanted to mention it earlier when you first talked about him. Like he he's got to be in the heart. Yeah, he's got to be yeah, probably MVP leading conversation. Probably for sure. leading for God's sakes. He's he's got to be right there. So I at the end of last season in one of my pools, there's a uh, there's a limit to how long we can keep our players in in the Yahoo Fantasy. So you can keep uh, our rule is you, you, we have seven keepers that you can keep for three years max. One of your seven guys you can keep them for a fourth year. So the reason for this is that it staggers the elite level talent. Uh, it stops them from all going into the pool back into the draft at the same time. Because then what, what ends up happening is every three years you'd have a mega draft, which is no fun for anyone. So we stagger it. And now, as it turned out, I had to choose. Uh, I had two left wing options, two keepable options going into this season, Johnny Goudreau or Philip Forsberg. And I thought that that was a pretty tough call because Forsberg is a goal scorer and goals are a little harder obviously to come by than assist you get two cracks at an assist you only get one crack at the goal I was up for nights let's go trying to decide (laughs) trying to just well because I had to have my keepers in by a certain day right and you could you could you can select your keepers on the computer but you can go in and change them and I went in and I think two on two separate occasions I changed from Goudreau to Forsberg and then I ended up going back to Gaudreau on the on the deadline day, which was the day that we had to submit our keepers for the draft. Yeah, I think I made, obviously made the right choice, but it was a tough decision. At back that time, then. it was a toss up, basically, and you know, Forsberg's a good young star in the game as well. A little bit injury problems too makes me feel a little bit better about my decision. But I mean, like, man, oh man, if I would have let him go to the breeze, <laughs> like I'd be feeling pretty terrible about someone else having a, their first year of Johnny Hockey. Yeah. Whereas now I have him for his final year, and he'll go back into the draft next year, which is uh, going to be a good one for us in that pool. But yeah, David Riddick, man, um, early on in the season, right? You were talking about one-line team. They were also a bit of a who's going to play goalie for this team because Mike Smith was winning some games. David Riddick was you know, called upon to back up. I think I was looking through it a little bit earlier today. He was sporadic. like He didn't go on any sort of winning run or anything until I'd say about the middle of November, middle to late November. He finally kind of took over the starting net. And uh, he's 18-4-4 four four right now, 803 
in a recent stretch. So he hasn't lost in regulation in his last 11 games. Yeah, he's been unbelievable for them and a nice, you know, a nice find. I know he played, uh, I think, a handful of games last year there and uh, not a particularly, like, unbelievable showing, but decent. But they might have something in this guy, you know? And it's 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 hard to base it on a, such a small body of work, but if you're Peter Shirelli, you give him <laughs> fucking $5 million over three years, right? <laughs> man, oh, man. Uh, how about that, uh, that? So that story you mentioned to me earlier, Datsuk. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Datsuk, you say, there's rumblings, I guess, out there. that So he's becoming a UFA in the NHL at the end of this year, correct? He's becoming a UFA in both leagues. In both leagues, he is at a the same he time. is a worldwide worldwide UFA unofficial yeah, yeah not unofficial unrestricted free agent yeah. and I guess so the agent came out and said that he wasn't ready to retire so I, I he's going to be the next summer's Kovalchuk I'm assuming exactly right a little that's, bit older he, he's forty years old he's correct? forty that's yeah. correct yeah so he's forty and that's honestly that's exactly what I thought the first time I saw the report and it was funny the timing was so funny I was actually working on uh, you know I was putting a couple of ideas into our prep for today. Um, and then I just happened to like open up my phone and it was the first thing on my Facebook feed, Pavel Datsuk's agent releases statement or whatever. So, I mean, this has obviously been cooked up, um, over however, I don't even know how long ago this idea would have been coming to Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, Last well, year, this agent too. This year, like just think of the bidding war that they'll have, not just between oh, uh, good point, NHL yeah. teams, but but between K and NHL teams. Like I, that you have to think then that might play a role in driving up oh, uh, the cost. Oh, you know what? That's guy. such a good point, dude, because really when when I think about that now that you bring that up, he might not even have an ounce of interest in returning to the NHL. Well, the, I, you got to figure the K those K teams can offer more money and they like, can. I know there's lots of stories of guys not getting paid and shafted out there, but I'm sure guys like Datsuk's going to get it. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, he would get it. They're first on the on the payroll list essentially. But who 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 did that? Didn't uh Doughty that, we talked about that on the podcast, right? Where Doughty leaked a report or his agent leaked a report that said he was interested in the Leafs. Yeah, and it was only just said he was in for, he was, it wasn't even specifically the Leafs. It was that he was interested in, in July one and going to yeah July yeah. one. And it was so only it made the Kings the, get off their asses and sign negotiating him. tactic exactly. Yeah, so this, this is a, this is a marketing ploy essentially to to hype up the teams and get um get them on people's radar. So uh, now you kind of have me totally think like i haven't had time to really sit on this and think about what i think but if i'm just going right off the cuff here you you might have me thinking that that he's he has no interest in coming here and he just wants a better contract out there yeah it'd be interesting to to note i mean it seemed when he left like he was done with the nhl that's that i've had my time here i'm going home and you know it, it could be it could be right they but spe- we'll never know, essentially. Well, until he signs and his I next deal. sometime in July where he signs a deal with, with someone somewhere. But the main, the main takeaway from the article, and I just got rid of it, fuck. But anyway, the main takeaway from the article was that he's not ready to retire from hockey. Right. right? It wasn't like, oh, Pavel Datsuk eyeing return to the NHL. No, That's, no. That was yeah. the Kovalchuk news bulletin. That he was actually, it was well known that he was coming, coming back. back to the NHL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that works. But just quickly, uh, Datsuk signed a three-year deal with St. Petersburg SKA in the KHL. Their regular seasons are 44 games long, I believe, or something of that nature, Forty mid-40s. Um, so he played 44 games, 37 games, 44 games, tw- uh, 34 points, 35 points, 34 points. 
So he's good for 34 and a half points out of 44 games, which I worked out the math to be 0.82 points per game in the KHL. So if he's averaging nearly a point per game in a half season in the K, what would he be able to do in 82 game season over here in the NHL? Are people really going to pony up? and pay money for Pavel, 40-year-old Pavel Datsuk. you got to think with the salary cap situation, it's going to make... I mean, it, I guess that's why I'm inclined to believe that he returns to the K because I would assume that someone can throw a bunch of money at him, whereas an NHL team, you know, most NHL teams are, are constrained against the cap, especially co- competitors that you may want to play with. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the story evolves. Stay tuned. And, you know, the report specifically mentioned Detroit, which kind of threw me off too like there's no fucking ways going back to detroit no i didn't think so i think they're just uh kind of speculating linking them to the franchises you just last associated with and currently under contract with the arizona coyotes if you didn't know yeah um, yeah that's a right. salary cap dump essentially that, yes. that's what the coyotes have been doing the last few years becoming the the dump of salary cap <laughs> basically the salary cap dump <laughs> So, yeah, because, I mean, when he left Detroit, it was basically, what were you saying to me off air? We were talking about this off air. He, he, his well, time was like done he was there. done with Detroit. The dynasty Lister was... retired, yeah. and, and Zedberg was on his way out. Babs had left. Like, the the organization was moving towards... He, he saw was what was coming before. The arena. They were getting a brand new arena. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't going to be worth his time as a 37-year-old at that time. Yeah. To become invested in a fucking rebuild. But then all of a sudden, you got Henrik Lundqvist... Uh, in New York, who wants to do that all day? Oh yeah, give me a rebuild, boys. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'll just stick around. I think here. it's different culturally. Cultural, nah, man. I'm fighting this word culturally in uh, Russia. Different cultures. I yeah. I I think it's I think it's just so drastically different over there. Mother Russia. Yeah, well, I play think for I, Mother Russia. I think guys coming over here or guys leaving here to go over there, I think is a bigger adjustment than say going to to Scandinavia or vice versa. Swedes coming over here. Yeah, so. okay, makes sense. All right, what's next? Sorry, uh, I'm yeah. sn- I'm sniffling in here, man. I gotta let the listeners know if you can't tell already, I'm fucking sick. So, and if Coleman gets me sick, I'm gonna be pissed. But I could blame it on the hygienist from yesterday who was Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta tell so, that. So I'm lying in the chair yesterday at the, the <laughs> dentist and the hygienist. Nice lady, whatever. She's new there, and I'm chatting her up. And meanwhile, she's bent over right in front of me, leaning over top of me, cleaning my teeth, and I can hear her just this <sighs> mouth breathing in my face. And I'm like, wait a second. And then I kind of hear like a little sniffle. I'm like, she's sick. She's sick. She's sick. She's breathing in my face. Breathing in my face. Now she's got breathing, a mask. Excuse me, breathing in my mouth. Yeah, breathing into my open <laughs> mouth. Exactly. <laughs> so... So I'm thinking, I start panicking in my head because I haven't been sick yet this winter. I'm thinking like I'm beating it, right? Fucking knock on some wood. I know, there, big time, eh? Yeah. And so yeah, I, I start freaking out a little bit and thinking like, why would you come to work? Like, you You're must, a hygienist. You're a hygienist. This, this Hi- in your hygiene. Title. Say exactly. it with me now. Hygiene. It's oh, difficult man. to spell, but not difficult to, to do. <laughs> yeah, so I was pretty rattled about that. Take the day off. I know. Like that's if in all professions... <laughs> Where it's courtesy to your coworkers, but also when you're directing that, you're dealing that closely with people. Could you? Could you not? Man, oh man, interesting, very interesting. <laughs> but yeah, mine, mine, uh, not the result of a dental hygienist, but that does remind me that I need to go back to the dentist. It's probably been some time, but yeah, mine. Uh, I believe 100% due to the outdoor hockey tournament that I participated in. 
for God knows why. Oh, this past weekend. Yeah, with, at Alice. With minus 35. Minus 35. Jeez. Oh, my God, man. So I'm out there and like, you know, you're kind of yelling it up a little bit like, yeah, yeah, right? Like you're chatting, you're laughing, you're breathing heavily, skating up and down the ice. So I think that had obviously a lot to do well, with it. Well, that's where it hurts your lungs like partway through. You know, you start feeling it in your chest, the stinging cold when you're sucking wind out My there. eyelashes Oh yeah, frozen. frozen. Yeah, I ended up pulling one of them off, and it broke in half. And I actually went ice fishing on Saturday, <laughs> but I was sitting in a nice little hut there, keeping warm. Yeah, I didn't have that. The only <laughs> good thing about that entire tournament was the fact that one, we ended up nicely in the B final, which was earlier. So it was nice to be out of there earlier, and we got to play the other guys who also obviously ended up in the B final, and they were just there for fun. Like there were two teams out of the four that were there to fucking win. To win, yeah. And there were two teams out of the four that were there to just have a good time. Now, apparently, I didn't look at the board, but apparently our team was supposed to be in the A, but we but we fudged the numbers to make our goals against worse so that we got into the B. But the other team was like, oh, cool, we're in the A. Like well, it's they not were, like you were cheating to get in the yeah, A Yeah, they were excited to move on to the A. They, yeah. were, they were fingers crossed that they could get in. And you're like, fuck no. And we're like, fuck no. So anyways, yeah, we ended up getting into the B final. And just, I, I scored a fucking beauty too. Just like mailing ODR. in hard. End-to-end eh? rush started with a Savardian spinorama and ended with a tuck. Tuck show like far corner. I felt like a million bucks, but I don't get to. I don't get to get out there and skate as much as I maybe would like. But then after I'm done skating around, and especially when it was minus thirty, I was just like, "Fuck, man, get me, get me home." Yeah, no kidding. Get me home. Here's a fun one I picked up just this afternoon. Uh, our old buddy Andrew Raycroft was in the news the other day. Former Leaf legend. So yeah, he was. Uh, he works for Nesson now, the sports network that broadcasts the Bruins. Yeah, okay. And he's doing an intermission hit, and he's his phone's buzzing, and he misses the call because he's on TV. And so he checks it after, and it's it's the team calling him and asking him where his gear is. So they sent guys to his house to go find his gear. What? And he he said he hadn't, or he said he had his gear on four times since retiring in 2013. I mean, he was lucky to still have it in a, in an area where he could, yeah, where they it was, could get it, where it's accessible. Yeah, accessible. Yeah. yeah so he, uh, so they went and got his gear, and I guess he said he was freaking out because so Ras got a concu- ended up suffering a concussion. Uh, was pulled out of that game. That game, right? Yeah, so he was freaking out, I guess he said. But that's that's strange, though. So why why would they not have one of those spare goalies that sits in the stands? For You know how they, that works, right? There's one guy that's there. He's an accountant or something, and he's there for both teams. Well, usually, they, yeah. His they, equipment is they, in the, the building. The home team has to supply a goalie. Yes. Whether it's – I don't know if they always have – I'm sure they have a list of guys, like their practice goalies and whatnot, but it's just who's at, who is ever available at the time because I don't think they're often um, necessarily sitting right in the building because usually it's a you know, game day call or like – uh, this well, happened. See, this was an in-game situation. And I've right? I've been led to believe the other way that that they are in the building. They well, show clear, up clearly not. But clearly, not, there's not so like not a designated every team. guy. So I guess not. But every I know team. they have a list of guys, whether it's the equipment guy or whoever, yeah. right? And it's uh, you know maybe whomever was their designated guy or who the go-to guy would be wasn't there, but. I mean, if you're thinking from a strategic point of view too, let's get the at least the XNHLer instead of the current beer leaguer. But it could work against you because if the XNHLer has to go in for the other team, now you've got an yeah, XNHLer, yeah, right? Because that is the deal. They'll 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 be ready for either team 
to yeah. uh, to to come into. Action. I love these stories though, where they're scrambling for goalies, and I thought it was interesting. What was Raycroft? Other- so Raycroft coming in for Rask. Oh the yeah, irony. that's the oh, irony. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even really. <laughs> for, cons- I didn't even consider to that. remind Leaf fans of the worst trade probably in our lifetimes. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so he didn't quite get his Scott Foster moment, but Scott Foster also didn't quite get Andrew Raycroft his Andrew Raycroft <laughs> moment either, did he? So. Yeah. I mean, of course, we all know how the Raycroft situation with Toronto ended up. It wasn't really a, a great one for Leafs Nation and for himself. And, you know, it was kind of too bad, actually, uh, the way that that played itself out last go. Because Raycroft, he w- was looking like a very promising young prospect in goal. And uh, I think maybe got fed to the Wolves a little bit uh, to a team that really had no business having a goaltender they were not good like they and i forget you tend to forget how bad they were at that point in time terrible and it were just cut like it was the the tail end of the sundine years and the defense was horrendous like would we have ruined tuka rask i i'd I like to think no, but it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question, yeah, because if if you think say nothing else changed throughout that that era, would Raycroft be Rask right now? Know. But then you're not spending assets and screwing around with goaltenders all the time. Either. No, that's right. Goaltending is think a pretty of, think fickle. of the carousel of goaltenders that came through here after he had left. Yeah, good point. The O'Bans, the Jaguars, oh. the Toscala, like just a goalie graveyard for like a decade, it felt like. Almost like Philly. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, what's next, brother? We're going to hammer out a little bit of Leafs here. Yeah, let's do some Leafs. We're going to talk more Leafs with Tyler, uh, as we mentioned. I think we've got a couple of uh, different bullet points, I believe, eh, for, for both segments. Yep. Okay, cool. So let's... Uh, where do you want to start with some Leaf stuff? I'll let you know right now. We are at the thirty-three minute mark, so we've got some uh, got some time to play with. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It's our well, pod. my main thing is is Leafs Nation, stay calm. All right, it's middle of January, bit of a lull here. Three and seven in their last ten, to be exact, which is probably one of the worst ten game spans we might have even seen over the past three years. This it since, sticks since, out since to the me. beginning of the new Leafs. Yeah, yeah, since the, the this new era of of Leafs. So you know. Knee jerk reactions are pretty common in this uh, this time and place, as you might see or have heard thus far. But it seems to me that the consensus, anyway, and I actually ticked that right out of a, a Pierre LeBron article uh, from the other day on the Athletic, where he basically had been talking to league executives on their opinion on the Maple Leafs and kind of what's going on, and the consensus from them was they'll be fine. Yeah, and I I don't think that you can just assume that there's huge problems and nothing's being done and we need to address this and that and the other thing. I mean, we all know that the team could use some help on the back end. That's not to say that the players that we have here are bad or can't do the job. They're just not right for the job and we could use some assistance. It's not a rocket fucking science project to figure that out. But I think where you're seeing a lot of this knee-jerk reaction or so you say I think that stems with the the fact that when you turn on the TV lately, you see the same shit different day over like more than a couple of games. Yeah, we're talking 10 game span here, basically. You know? And yeah, they've got some wins in there. Great. Yeah, they've got some great efforts in there against Tampa and Boston. But it's hockey, man. Like, parity in the league is true. You're going to have good teams. You're going to have bad teams. 
but the bad teams can still beat the good teams. Yeah, it's one of those sports it's one of those where sports. you can get outworked very easily, and it's you know what's what makes it one of the more difficult sports to gamble on. Essentially, that's what we've talked about before. Much less predictable. Yes, right? it's very much less predictable. So, but what I'm saying is the Leafs lately on television have been too predictable, and not in a good way. Right. Not in a consistent way where I believe for sure that these two guys are probably going to get a point. These four guys are probably going to get two or three shots on their own. And this guy, Freddie, is going to let in maybe one or two, maybe three if we sit in the yeah. box a lot. But we're probably going to win that fucking game 4-3. No, there's no, there's no comfort. There's no, oh, I feel great about what I'm about to watch here. I have no idea what I'm going to fucking see. And I don't like that. Well, they've been they've been predictable in that, you know, doing a lot of the same old things. And, you know, it seems the teams have made necessary adjustments in terms of defending the team. Um, and, and from what I've seen, looking at the numbers, as I've written down here, the nerds is basically saying that the uh, the poor results have, have come out of, well, in, game, in a lot of games where they're outchancing their opponents and getting more high high danger scoring chances, right? right? Um, but their shooting percentage is, is drastically lower than what it was, and is not just regressed, but is is in this uh, most recent sample size is much below what their their season average is. Right. So you're and, obviously expecting them to come out of it, which right? Is fine. And, and I think that's what the the patience preach patience type thing is in uh, this theme in what I was saying earlier, uh, because it seems that. If you if you kind of look at the numbers and look at what they've been doing uh, throughout this this kind of slump, well, it's straight up a slump actually. Uh, there's there are some good things to pull out of there. Uh, they're just oh, I not don't disagree. As, yeah, but, but yeah. I find as a fan, I'm so frustrated with it's hard to find. with the result, right? Because when you're losing teams like Phoenix and losing teams like uh, Florida, you know what I mean. Oh, I would still call him Phoenix, dude. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, so put when, a dollar in the fucking Phoenix jar. <laughs> when you're playing, when you're playing uh, teams like that and, and leaving points on the board, especially with given how tight uh, things are right now in the division with the teams, uh, Boston, and chasing Montreal, us. yeah, chasing us right on our asses. Uh, it, it sucks to leave points like that on the table. It does, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh, as a fan, it it can be very difficult to. You know, look back at a game that was, uh, you know, a game that was to you perhaps terrible, pathetic, embarrassing, whatever you want to call it. You just you don't have a good taste in your mouth after some of these lackluster efforts that we're seeing from the team. And um, you know, basically, if we want to talk about fancy stats, you know, you're bringing up the 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 nerds saying, you know, no offense to the analytical com- community, but I find that it's in this exact moment where you'll see me fight against the analytical community because the fucking scoreboard doesn't give a rat's ass about your shot suppression or your high danger fucking chances. <laughs> yeah, I know that it one doesn't. Of the, one of the stats that really bothers me. And I, uh, one thing I picked up on in the most recent kind of leaf in the leaf slump was, was, uh, well, their expected goals is much higher in this game. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's great. That's like, great. I mean, and, and I guess what the whole idea is, is calm the hell down. There's something to be taken out of this game that's positive. But like I said, as a fan, the frustration is like, well, I don't give a shit because they only scored once. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah. It, what does that mean to me, right? No. And and I and I get it. It's a totally different ways of looking at the game, right? Like expected goals. My vehicle it has 700 expected kilometers per tank, and I can only get 611. 
where's the other 89 kilometers? Well, they ran it through a track where the fucking car only goes 21 kilometers an hour for the entire tank, and it went for 712 kilometers. So that's the expected distance, but I'm not getting that fucking distance, and there's nothing I can do about it. But in this case, we're not talking about fucking cars, we're talking about hockey. There is something we can do about it. We can put the fucking puck in the net, but they just can't. Yeah. They just can't put it in the fucking net. I know. Like and Johnny T. Like we were talking about in. earlier, like the uh, yeah, the shooting percentage is way down. Also, the other side of the coin is the save percentage is way down. Uh, Anderson coming off this injury has not quite been himself. Obviously, in the span where he was gone, that contributes to the save percentage the most. I think in those games where Hutchinson Sparks got lit up a couple times, um, you know, play was okay. I thought from Hutchinson, but they did give up a lot of goals in those games. Now. Not, it's not to say it's all in the goaltending as well. Obviously, we've talked, you know, forever about, uh, you know, the issues that we've seen on the back end and uh, whether or not that, that's going to be addressed, that remains to be seen. But one of the other interesting takeaways to circle back to that LeBron article that I read was this is a dangerous time for Kyle Dubas. This is an interesting test for him. And... The way he handled his presser the other day, I think, was very well done. Oh, he's really good at that. And, I, and if, if how calm and cool he is in, in those scrums is a reflection of how he conducts himself in the office, I don't think we have a whole lot to worry I, about. I agree. Because this is the time or this is the situation where teams are, are prone to making mistakes, either on the trade block or signings or whatever. Yeah. Right? Where you make a Commitments or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Where you make a knee-jerk reaction, yeah. where you, you make a huge trade or you mortgage the future because- Give up on an asset. Pres- the, the pressure of the, the month-span situation is weighing higher than your vision for the overall picture of the team. Yeah. The January blues uh, turn into February blues booze after, yeah. after you make a dumb trade or yeah, something. Yeah, and like things that, yeah. you know, things have been crappy lately, but he you know God damn right. I get the impression that he's not the kind of guy to let that get to him. And he and it was a good PR move, I thought, as press the presser the other day, because he didn't have to do that. No nope. right but he yeah. still came out and he you know defended the process, you know, he defended the value of of you know uh, some of the guys on the back end who defended get his players. Yeah, he defended, defended his, his players, yeah. you know, yeah. he he said Basically, all the right things, and and it was. I think it was. Uh, it was as a calm down thing a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, here's an off day. And instead of the media just going off about whatever today, I uh, will give them something to chew on here today and go and talk to them. Yeah. So, he uh, he does a good job at yeah. uh, media control. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to put a harness around the media circus that is the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I do think. Um, if there's someone that does it well, it is, it is Kyle Dubas. And I like your point about if, if what we see on the TV is any reflection of how he operates, then I couldn't agree with you more that we don't have much to worry about because honestly, dude, and he probably is having fun because he's, he's a young guy, but he looks like he really enjoys that. Even though the team was like horrible, not horrible, but the team has been bad lately. Yeah, and that—that's the whole reason for the presser. If we were seven and two, or eight and two, or whatever over our last ten, he—he he wouldn't have had a presser. And there's there's one thing about uh, uh, we've constantly heard about Dubis is that he's a big picture guy, right? So a, a slump in the middle of January is not going to throw this guy's vision off at all. What about an eighteen wheeler? Well. 
That'd be interesting because he would treat that situation a lot differently, right? But let's not go back into the past. We already drudged up Raycroft wounds, so let's leave that scab well, on for how now. Many more, how many more losses are we away from an 18-wheeler? No, I, I don't think we're quite in that territory, given the personnel on the team no, we're and not. We're not. the underlying numbers because part of the thing that predicted that you know, those 18 wheelers were the underlying numbers at the time. Good point. So that's a, actually, that is a really good point. I can make everybody feel a little bit better true. too. Now that you scare the shit out of us all yeah. by mentioning that term. <laughs> yeah. It's true though, because that showed that our success at that time wasn't actually it was unsustainable. Sustainable. Yeah, that's right. And now our stats are showing here that our, our losing streak isn't sustainable. Yeah. Which is and you look at the personnel on the team, there's no reason there's no reason for this to continue. So it just goes to what we were talking about, about how uh, last episode, how we're finally seeing some lineup movement. Tonight, we're going to see the debut of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner uh, starting together. We'll see how long that actually lasts. Yeah, I'm excited to... But if they bury, like, you know, if they combine for three goals tonight, you bet your ass they're coming back next game. Well, they have to. I'm worried about Babcock doing his Babcockian thing. And just switch him back. And switch him back. Yeah. You know, after uh, what one period, maybe not even a period. Yeah, we- sl- yeah, slow period and a half, and then everything's back to normal, or they're or they're jumbling him. Connor Which Brown, and we Zach have criticized him for his his inability to adjust on the fly, but he's becoming much more open to change. Yeah, it seems that he he's doing that much more commonly, and I think during the span, it's it's, it's part of it is on him. Uh, and we'll get to this later with Tyler. I want to ask him a few questions about his perspective on what the Leafs coach might be feeling and thinking in terms of pressure right now. But it is a little bit on him to get his guys going because Dubas has given him the personnel. He's got to make it work. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And again, you alluded to we'll we'll bring that up with Tyler. I'm excited to 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 voice my concerns in that regard as well because I'm I'm in that camp where I'm beginning to wonder how serious the dialogue is slash was in the last couple of days or a week or so between the general manager and the head coach. Hey man, we need to make some changes. I need you to do these things. I wonder how I wonder how Moneyball it was. And you've seen that movie, right? Moneyball? I wonder how intense the conversation may have been between the manager and the coach and the coach is saying I don't want to do this and the manager is saying well you have to yeah I wonder how much uh, he'd be involved in terms of actually the lineup and I, I think I think it's less about Kyle being like hey Mike I think you need to put so-and-so with so-and-so because my numbers say that this is a good idea it's more the guys whose job it is to do all the numbers are feeding Babcock information that will say this is what we've done so it's less coming from a person more coming from a spreadsheet yeah good point and this is what we expect this isn't our opinion yeah. this is what we think can work with this combination or this is what the numbers yeah. tell us about these two guys together or yeah. this defensive pairing so and you made a good point too about the fact that he is he like babcock has been provided with the personnel you cannot for one second try and argue the fact that he doesn't have the pieces that he needs. That's right. I understand that the back end needs some help, and a lot of people will use the back end as a crutch. Right. As far as, well, what do you expect Babcock to do with no fucking defense and all this stuff? Well, we were at one point right up there with the fucking top teams yeah, in the NHL. It, doesn't, it really does, it comes down to it. We're too good to be weighed down by, by you know, a. A mediocre defense, and we they demonstrated that, and in a the small slump. Season. Mediocre defense and a small slump, yeah, exactly. That, you know, has turned into an official slump. So, all right. Well, listen, we brought up Tyler, so we'll uh, we'll head to break here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. I also have to go and visit my grandmother, so we're separating this pod up uh, by probably an hour or so. <laughs> Let's go. 
It's her 94th birthday. Yeah, I'm going to go shovel my driveway. You're going to go shovel your driveway. Yeah, fucking I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go give scratch cards to my grandmother and give her a big hug and remind her who I am. <laughs> she probably will remember me though because my birthday is tomorrow. Get her an iPad and download the podcast oh for her. Oh my god, imagine. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think our podcast can come over her radio from 1937. No, eh? Maybe. We'll see if we can get that platform. They don't have up. iTunes on that. All right, we'll be back. Uh, episode 18, moving right along. Tyler Mataraz, friend of the show and co-host of The Point and The Face-Off, I think. He's on Face-Off and he's on Ice Cap at night. Tyler Mataraz, he does everything. Jack of all trades. He'll be with us when we come back. All right, we're back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast, and I'm still dealing with my fucking cold that I got here, and it's my own fault. I was just bitching to my parents over at my grandmother's Lusco, and they said it was my own fault. I went outside and played hockey when it was minus fucking 35, so what do you expect? You're looking at me with judgmental eyes right now. (laughs) Um, All right, so we do have... uh, Tyler Mataraz on the line uh, for our regular listeners. Tyler joined us uh, in episode 12, I think it was, uh, of the Pucks and D podcast. And we got to know a little bit about Tyler and his uh, job down at Sirius XM Radio. Um, pretty exciting work for you, Tyler. And I think these last couple of weeks, we've all been wondering about a certain GM in this league, one Peter Shirelli and his time with the Edmonton Oilers and how it may be running thin. And the hammer came down. I guess late last night they did it mid-game. Is that true? Yeah, they uh, supposedly they made the decision before that Oilers Red Wings game, but uh, I think the uh, the brass told Peter Shirelli during that first intermission where the Oilers were down. It's just it's weird if they decided about this before the game even started, and they were like crushing the wings going into the third. Like, what do they even do? And let's just say, imagine the Oilers won that game, and then afterwards. Instead of at the second intermission, they fired Peter Shirelli. I think that would have made the whole situation even funnier. But uh, just uh, it was a matter of time, I think, especially out there in Alberta and Oil Nation. Uh, you guys have probably seen all the fire Shirelli hashtags now for months, maybe even years. And years. I think yeah. Oilers, Oilers, yeah, it's been years. So Oilers fans are happy, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who they actually hire here going forward. Because for the uh, the time being, the interim is Keith Gretzky, but uh, you, you kind of hope that they go younger and they don't. Just go with one of their old buddies, you know what I mean? Well, that seems to be what got them in, here in the first place. I mean, we all know we've, there's been a lot of conversations about the Oilers uh, and the management woes they've they've endured for years. So they were supposed to hit the reset button when they brought Shirelli in. And then all of a sudden, we've seen no change, and it's been detrimental to the roster, as we've seen. So... I, I think those those old boys, and it was interesting, uh, sorry, Nicholson's presser today, he's like, oh, well, no, uh, Mac T, those guys aren't making decisions. But you got to think that based on that contract that was signed two, uh, two days ago, that Shirelli had no level of uh, autonomy. Yeah, without a doubt. It, it's kind of weird. It is weird how they signed Miko Koskin and then a few days later, uh, what, uh, less than 48 hours later almost, 
he gets fired. And yeah, supposedly they were talking about it for a while, but the timing of that one, Adam, just seemed a, a bit odd. But uh, you got to go younger. And, and a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs are the perfect example. And not just saying this because uh, we're based in Ontario, but it's it's the perfect example. They hire, hire Kyle Dubas, who was doing it in Sault Ste. Marie. They bring him on to, to take over the Toronto Marlies in the American Hockey League. And he does a great job. I think the Edmonton Oilers need to find a guy like Kyle Dubas, maybe not as young as he was, but somewhere in Dubas's age range, kind of, or even like when when Arizona hired John Chica. There's another great example. And yeah, yeah, Chica hasn't had some some great success down in the desert, but uh, he's had a different situation and and some different players to deal with down in Arizona compared to Toronto. But the Oilers really need to go younger. And I'm not saying they go out and hire a 21 year old general manager, uh, but if they do hire one of their buddies, like one of Mac T's buddies or something like that. Uh, that's another step backwards, and the Edmonton Oilers fans won't take that too lightly. Are you going to throw your resume? Are you going to throw your hat in the ring, Tyler? Uh, I might throw my resume out there, but uh, I don't even know if I want, I'd want to take over the Oilers right now. Oh, then there's the biggest backhand of the of, of all time <laughs> right there. You know, I don't want to be there. I don't. You know what though? I, I don't blame you. Um, another another person that I don't know I would want to be right now is is Bob Nicholson. I I, I didn't take in that entire presser. Uh, Tyler, but uh, from the pieces that I that I saw, I saw two things. I saw uh, one a, a gentleman who did not look to be one bit prepared for the occasion. It was a deer and, in the headlights. Yeah, and two, uh, maybe this is the most important. I should have let off with this one, but the, my biggest takeaway was the moment when he basically excused himself and the rest of the staff and management and perhaps as far as ownership, as far as saying that it's nothing that we've done, it's something in the water in Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand how that is even something that you can say during a presser when things are of this magnitude and you have Connor fucking McDavid on your team. <laughs> yeah, Boomer Gordon said it best today. Uh, during our show on NHL Network Radio, he said, by that thing in the water comment, that's a fireable offense, not just on a hockey team, but if you say that in any sort of business, that just seems like a fireable offense to say that it's something in the water. That just seems like it's some bad excuse that he's just throwing out there. I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, whatever company runs the uh, the water and everything out in Edmonton tweeted and said, oh, no. nope, nothing in the water out here, boys. Uh, <laughs> That's nothing in the water. Bird. I think the water's fine out in Edmonton, so oh, uh, they're obviously going at Nicholson just a bit, but uh, he kind of seemed a bit delirious, too. Like, Good what word, he was yeah. saying just made no sense, and if you're an Oilers fan watching that, I feel bad for you, because you kind of have to endure this, and he's a bit older now. He, he just he doesn't seem fit for the job there, and it's tough to say that about a guy, especially Nicholson, who's been around for a while. But of course, it just seems he's in way over his head right now. They need to to go younger from from him down. They they probably need to get rid of him. They probably need to get rid of, rid of Daryl Cates. Uh, they probably need to get rid of McTavish. Unfortunately, it it starts at the top, boys, and it works your way down. And then you got to deal with that roster somehow, some way. I don't even know how you deal with that. Well, I was considering them, Tyler, really to be very similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs when we had an organization, and I say we as the fans, we had an organization that was led by a conglomerate of individuals with the teacher's pension program that didn't care 
about having that's a winner. That's where my girlfriend works now, boys. That's where she works now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Nice. Okay. So you know, it's too funny that you that you bring that up, Tyler, because in our first time having you around, uh, I remember we were chatting briefly about how the like what you do, how you have to be on top of the NHL in every way, shape, and form. Uh, must mm-hmm. af- must affect your your personal life, and I didn't want to take it so far as to say you mustn't have time for a girlfriend, eh, Tyler? Because I thought that was just a little too offside, really. Um, but then I, <laughs> you but just then said I, it now. yeah, you just said it. You just said, oh yeah, that's where my girlfriend works. So here we are. I guess you must have a patient girlfriend, Tyler, because my fiance, she gives me so much grief. Like she has learned to love the Leafs uh, nearly as much as I do. But like she gives me grief about having to watch all these Leaf games. I couldn't imagine your poor girlfriend having to deal with you watching everything all the time. Oh yeah, the girlfriend. Uh, she's not a huge fan of hockey. She tries to endure it uh, to a certain extent, uh, but there's some sort of patience level if you're not a hockey fan and you kind of just want to hit on Netflix and watch some Gossip Girl or something like that. <laughs> um, but, as my girlfriend shakes her head at me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. We just sewered you We right just now. sewered you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. No, you guys aren't sewering me. It's all good. But it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's a tough job just because you got to be on top of hockey like 24-7 pretty much. Like, you got to be on top of everything that happens on the ice. You got to be on top of everything that happens on the ice. And you kind of got to know about the owners and the general managers, you wouldn't think you needed to know about some of these guys up top, but a lot of this stuff gets brought up, especially when uh, an Edmonton Oilers type situation happens. So uh, it's a, it's a fun job. And as you guys have done with this podcast, which has done really well, it's uh, it's just fun talking about hockey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get to do it on the radio. You also got to do it on television recently uh, with CTV. So you had to get your hair cut and get that mustache all trimmed <laughs> up, I guess. Like, tell us, uh, tell us about that, Tyler. How did that, uh, come about for you, uh, doing a, a few hits on CTV for the world junior championships? Yeah, it was a really cool experience. I actually have a buddy who works over at CTV, which, uh, it's located in Scarborough, Ontario, same place where a uh, TSN broadcasts out of. Um, and he put my name on some list. Like, I think, really early in the season, like early October, right before the season started, and said, hey, if we need anyone to talk hockey, uh, one of our producers might give you a call. So I was kind of just waiting, didn't really think of it much. Uh, and then when the World Juniors uh, rolled around, they gave me a call, so I uh, got an interview set up, uh, which went pretty well. I, I did trim the mustache just a bit. Uh, the girlfriend helped me with the hair maybe just uh, a little. And uh, and I got on there and, and just, yeah, it was like, a, I think, a three-minute interview. Did another one a few days later. And uh, I thought they went pretty well. It's definitely different than Radio Boys because uh, you're you're actually talking into a camera, which uh, nowadays in 2019 is your phone via FaceTime. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's definitely different than radio. It's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I thought you did pretty well myself as well, Tyler. It was some, some good info. And sometimes it's difficult to get all those things into a three-minute pack you know you've got mm-hmm. you've got to, you've got to basically unpack all of your thoughts and all of your notes which of course i'm sure are, are extensive given what you do so it can be a little difficult to get that all packed in uh, that's a great point i'm glad you brought that up because uh, before you go on you know it's three minutes you know you kind of have to jam a lot in especially if they're they're trying to ask you as many questions as possible uh, you really got to shorten your answers especially on the fly you're looking into a camera and you're trying to uh, shorten all these answers so uh, that's why the pros on tv do it the best that's why they're on television uh, but it is tough you're, you're trying to throw out names like capo caco and uko pekalukan and oh, yeah. names like that and you're, you're just trying not to mess them up <laughs> yeah you know? no, no, no i've always found that amazing and I, I i heard gord miller on tsn radio actually talk about the prep work that goes into him to the world juniors 
And he said the, the bulk of what he's doing is learning how to pronounce everybody's names correctly. Oh, yeah. It, that's for sure. Like, you need to. Or, like, one weird example is uh, Jay Khan, who I work with. I think Josh, uh, Josh met him when he came down to the studio. Uh, we went to school together, so we did some uh, play-by-play and color commentary during our time in college. So uh, we went up to York University, did some play-by-play and color for uh, women's and men's soccer. Oh, and wow. I think one of the names, one of the names w- which you'd think would be pronounced uh, Pena. Remember, like Carlos Pena, the baseball player. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, it, it was actually pronounced Pena, so it was actually pronounced Pena, and no one told us. No, that's terrible. That's like, they're wrong. <laughs> oh no! But no, but I I thought they were too, and we're just like, yeah, this Pena guy, and he's like their best player too. Oh, and then no. all of a sudden, his mom his mom calls in one of the the four people that <laughs> one of the four people that watches the stream, or maybe even less than four people that watch our yeah. stream. Yeah, yeah. Calls in and she's like, "Ah, oh, you're actually saying my son's name wrong." So uh, that's why Gordon Miller and a lot of those other guys uh, want to get these names right. And in the NHL, we probably have it the worst with a lot of these uh, European players. Well, you can't trust Don Cherry. That's for sure. Oh no! Uh, what uh, Biek- what is he called? Bieksa again? Like Bieksa, Bieska, Bieska, Bieska. the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Tyler. Uh, I'd love to get my hands on a on a tape of you and Jake doing some doing some play by play. Women's soccer. I think it's it, it's somewhere, boys. Uh, maybe maybe if we ever uh, hang out, I can I can pull it up on the inter- interweb somewhere. <laughs> I like it. Be I like cool it. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm holding you down to that. I got one more question for you, uh, Tyler, in regards to Edmonton. Uh, the Koskinen contract, just on its own, take away Shirelli and all the bullshit uh, timing and all that. Um, just just your thoughts on the contract itself. A bit too much money. Uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, we got to remember, Miko Koskinen is not 21, 22. He's 30 years old. Yeah, and 30. He's had, a, he's, he's had a ton of experience playing in the Continental Hockey League. And if, if you just look at his hockey DB or wherever, yeah, he did really well out there, but for the sample size in the NHL on this Oilers roster, you're probably paying him, let's just say a million dollars too much per season. Like uh, for the amount of money they gave him, especially right now, as we speak, like look at his stats in the last, I think it's nine or 10 starts. Like his goals against and save percentage are absolutely brutal. Like one of our beer league goaltenders, you feel like can do a bit better than that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I've like, the thing is I've liked Koskinen in this season. I don't know about you guys, when I watch Oilers games and Koskinen's playing well, he's so fun to watch. He's big, he's lanky, kind of reminds you of like a Pecorine-type body yep. where he's big and tall. Uh, so I've liked him, but for the amount of money for a 30-year-old goaltender for three more years, it's, it's not – it's just – it's kind of stupid. And the reason why I was why I wanted to talk to you about this as well, Tyler, was how do you think that went down? Like, is that was would that have been a Shirelli signing like on his own? And like, do you think maybe I don't even know what I'm trying to ask you here. Well, do you think maybe that might have triggered the the firing? I don't know if it did. From what I read, uh, just on like Twitter and some websites today. The Oilers were having like ongoing discussions with his agent uh, for a lot of this season, but the timing just obviously was weird. I don't know if it did trigger the firing. I think just the Oilers just really sucking lately and losing to some really bad teams, especially the Wings. And it's funny that they decided on the firing before they even lost to the, the terrible <laughs> to Wings. To a terrible team, yeah. Um, oh, so bad, but I don't know. They're just as a lot of people like to say, a dumpster fire. And I brought this up today with Boomer 
sets up uh, an which he disagreed with, but I think it sets up an entertaining game when we get back from the All Star break. We got the Oilers against the Flyers for their first games back. Oh, wow. I think that'll be quite funny. What is that? The the dumpster bowl? Yeah, it has to be. Oh, it has to be. <laughs> or the yeah. fun, the fire bowl. Going back to what you said, Josh, as well. I kind of connected the two earlier, but I think the contract really didn't impact the firing at all in that. I think it showed that he had no control because if they're already thinking of firing this guy, why would they let him do that on his own? There's no way they did that. Like, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to think that that they have so much influence that it didn't matter that contract was signed at that point and announced at that point because that's what the you know the guys upstairs wanted. As we've talked about, the, the issue there being layered. See, I disagree though. I think he's had. I think he's had the keys to the city. And he's been doing whatever the fuck he wants. And finally, they said, okay, this is enough. Like, he's buried us. It's it's hard to say because I find the older Oilers are indistinguishable from uh, since they made this change, what, four years ago when they brought him in. Right. This probably should have happened, like, a year and a half ago, boys. Let's be real. Like, the amount of, of horrible moves that he's made. <laughs> and, and the worst part about this Koskinen signing, just going back to that, it just handcuffs the new general manager. Whoever gets hired as the full-time GM, now they're pretty much stuck with Koskinen as their starting goaltender for the next three years. Like, unless you can trade him, which would probably wouldn't look good to Oilers fans or to Koskinen's agent or Koskinen himself, but right. you're kind of handcuffing the guy. You had Talbot and Koskinen on expiring contracts, and now whatever GM is, comes in pretty much has his goaltender for the next three years. And if he doesn't like Koskinen, then... He's kind of got to deal with that. Well, that's what I mean. That's kind of where I was coming from when I was in just myself wondering how that signing actually came to be. Like, who was making the decisions on that contract? Because it's very strange if it's the like if it's like what Lesko is imagining and the ownership and management had like higher ups had a fingerprint on it. Then they are willingly telling the new general manager, "This is what you're coming into." at a weird time and if it's Shirelli then he, he's making a weird ass deal for a goalie with 30 games and 30 years old bef- the day before he gets fired like I just I have no I can't wrap my mind around it yeah the timing obviously wasn't great uh, I think it w- probably was Shirelli that was engaging in discussions with Koskinen's agent earlier on in the season it, it pretty much is his job right boys so it probably was Shirelli and it's obviously tough to speculate but I'm guessing a lot of guys over Shirelli and, and a lot of the other management liked Koskinen and, and what's there not to like he's a big goaltender I know he's a bit older but for the amount of money they gave him and at the time that it came it uh, it certainly looked bad but <laughs> I don't know Bob Nicholson's in a in a mess here yeah you got to think he's he's next to go that's that's what I figure because He's got to wear some of this as well. I'm sure he had a lot of influence in bringing in Shirelli. Uh, the guys worked together in Hockey Canada, I guess, previous to that. Uh, and and going back to Koskinen quickly, I think in terms of the uh, the amount of money he got, I'm sure he negotiated from a point of strength just based on what ha- what transpired this year in the goaltending uh, situation, whereas he was able to say, I'm your starter, so give me some money or I'll go somewhere else in the off season." Yeah, it just it also raises a question. It's like, what other teams were like bidding for Miko Koskinen and that you had to get it done right now? That's another weird question. It's like, who's really going after this guy? Got to lock or, him or up. Showing, yeah, I guess you could probably could have <laughs> waited till the summer. That's the thing, and I think Oilers fans would agree with that. But 
Uh, there have been a lot of questionable decisions made in, in oil country, and this is just another one to add to the list, right? Could be the next monster Jonas Gustafsson. <laughs> yeah, Jonas Gustafsson. Just less like, hype. Yo- Victor Foss, whichever <laughs> one, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, do you think they fill the role of GM before the season closes out? I think they do, yeah. I don't think it's going to be in the next week or two, but uh, I think they, they ha- I think they have to. I, I, actually, I think they have to before the trade deadline. And I'm I don't not... want Keith Gretzky. I don't want an interim guy as my GM for the trade deadline. Oh, hell no. And, and I imagine now whoever is hired is at least stuck with Hitch for the rest of the year. That's not a problem, though, is it? No, that shouldn't be a That's problem. That's the least I, of their problems. Really, no, I'd say so. It is. I didn't really get the Hitch signing when it first came down, but uh, I guess they kind of are. You're not going to fire like a Hall of Fame coach right when you come on the job. It would be a very Edmonton thing to do. <laughs> it definitely would be. I mean, realistically, uh, a, a futuristic Stanley Cup needs to see, the Stanley Cup final needs to see the Edmonton Oilers against the Ottawa Senators. And what, like, whatever year that is, it'll just be the two former tire fires going at it for Lord Stanley. When will that be, though? Like, like <laughs> 2040. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe in 2047, 2050. It could like, be the Quebec Senators well, by that time, too. It's not their fault. It's the water. So they need a whole new water <laughs> system before that's going to change. Yeah, they need some Evian out there, man. Oh, geez. No doubt. Truck it in. I love the fact that the, a water company uh, tweeted and got on board. Like, that's just great marketing from them, you know? Good job. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, you guys got to check that out. It's uh, it's quite funny. Whoever did that deserves a raise. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. I'm definitely going to So what do you make out. of uh, uh, Spooner going on waivers along with Ty Ratty? Like, I know those guys both, uh, or in particular, Ratty had a connection to Hitchcock. He had to figure he'd mm-hmm. be out the door uh, at some point or another, and, and based on his poor play. Uh, but Spooner, I mean, that aside from the poor asset management, what do you make of that move? Yeah, putting him on waivers, I think, to Oilers fans was kind of a shock. And uh, when a guy's getting paid, I think it's just north of $3 million a season and has some term left, you kind of figure that he's not going to get claimed. And I'm guessing the Oilers kind of figured, all right, no one's really going to claim Spooner. Uh, they don't want his contract, but we can go back to the trade tree. I think you guys know as well, boys. Like When you're putting Ryan Spooner on waivers and risking losing him for nothing, especially after it pretty much is Jordan Eberle in the, the thick of things, like, yeah. come on, like that's just a, a ridiculous thing to do. And if he's going to be healthy scratched and you're trying to trade him and it's not working, I guess it's your final option is to put him on waivers. But uh, I guess we'll see how he does down in the Bakersfield here over the break, boys. But him and Ty Ratty, it's, uh, it's tough. They were both healthy scratches. They obviously want to play. But I thought someone would have bid on Ratty. I don't know about you guys, but no one did. Yeah, I thought out of the two, um, I agree. Uh, I, I think I maybe you guys were t- talking about it on the radio, actually. That's kind of where I get most of my content from. So, yeah, what you or someone else might have mentioned that on the radio as well, and I, I tended to agree. Uh, like, I was just looking at their statistics, and it is. It's really a, it's a shame because, you know, it just it begs uh, the question, too, like, are some of these former players that, they, that they've had and lost, were they, you know, victims of a poorly ran organization or were they busts you know like a Yakupov kind of guy or um I know PRV gets a lot of uh heat as well like if these guys were playing elsewhere for a more successful organization I'm I'm sure we would have different thoughts wouldn't we yeah we definitely would and it's tough a lot of the guys that have gone through Edmonton have had a tough time just because especially in the last let's just say six seven seasons maybe eight just because the team's been so bad and if you want to look at last night's game, the Detroit game, for example, if you're watching that game, you're just thinking, this is not a team. This is like 
23 individuals. Like no one was playing on the same page and you guys have played hockey. Like you need to be on the same page as your teammates. It just seemed like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were pretty much on the same page and really no one else was. And, and that's why a lot of those players that you just mentioned really haven't worked in the past. And maybe, yeah, maybe the next one to go is Jesse Puliyarvi, which would be unfortunate because he was the fourth overall pick, but hey, they've already had a, a couple first overall picks make <laughs> their way out of town. Smorgasbord of high picks. Yeah, and in player development yeah. has definitely been, I think, uh, a big storyline throughout their struggles. Uh, we've seen lots of guys either they gave up on too fast or that uh, have come up through the system and not uh, been able to become regular fixtures in the NHL. Yeah, it's like the main thing for that. It's like, why is Tyler Yamamoto playing this year? Like, why isn't he in the American Hockey League? Why isn't Jesse Puliyarvi? spending another year in the American Hockey League. He's clearly not ready for the NHL, yeah. and you clearly have a cancerous vibe up on the, the NHL roster. Why have these kids up who are supposedly the future of your team just having to endure this? It makes no sense. Keep them down to the American Hockey League, and whenever we've seen teams rush these kind of guys, it usually doesn't work out well for them in the long run. Well, and that's a lesson the Leafs learned the hard way, I think, over the years uh, in terms of development. Oh, man, the Leafs development when we were a bit younger boys was, like, one of the most frustrating things from a Leafs fan's perspective. Like, you couldn't even put it into words, but thank God they they got some new guys there. eh? We never had any picks or anything. Like, we never had any players that were our own. No prospects and draft smaffed and all that. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, we could do three three hours on, like, like the the guys they drafted. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I don't even want to hear the name like Tyler Biggs or like Jesse oh, Black or any of those names. Like, Tyler Biggs. like the Stuart Percy pick. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? It's, yeah. like, you, it's like, hey, boys, you know Nikita Kucherov was, uh, was still there, eh? Like, <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you're always going to have the, the diamonds in the rough that get, you know, f- fall down in the draft, and every team can look foolish to a certain degree because they all had a chance at them. But, yeah, I mean, some of our selections were just completely – you know, off the board in uh, in the wrong way. Well, not taking <laughs> they any had to be, risks. They had to be truculent, though, boy. They had to be truculent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These full-figured yeah. men here. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're speaking about the Leafs. Uh, do we have you for a few more moments, Tyler, or do you want to wrap up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that no right? doubt, man. You no got doubt. the game on, or are you on pause, or what do you Oh, what yeah. You, you guys know. You guys know. Yeah, of course right it's on. on. I have a difficult time. Well, actually, I don't have a difficult time, but I, I can see it. I don't know if Lesko's able to see it in like the reflection of my glasses or something, but he's pretty good. He stays on point. He doesn't look over, but um, we wanted to, we wanted you to put your leaf hat on. You disclosed your allegiance to the Leafs there on uh, episode 12. Um, so we wanted to maybe get a little bit more in depth. What, what you think is going on with this team uh, lately, you know, Lesko loves the uh, don't panic. It's January kind of thing. I don't disagree. However, I do believe uh, he as does a diehard fan. I don't panic. <laughs> I believe as a diehard fan that there's concerns. I, I have concerns. I don't think they're concerns that the team is no good or they're not going to make the playoffs. I just have concerns, and I'm wondering if you might have some as well. Yeah, I share those concerns. I think fans of every single team shares concerns when uh, their team could be a, a Stanley Cup contender and goes on one of these really, really crappy runs. I think as we speak, while the, the Capitals Leaf game is on, I think they have three wins in 2019. So hasn't been a great start to the new year, but uh, th- there's concerns. There's still concerns on the blue line. Uh, there's still concerns up front when your best player is slumping like Austin Matthews. I think he has one goal in like 13 games going into this Washington game. So it's tough, but I'm, I'm kind of with Adam. Like I- I'm not... I'm not really panicking about this. It's still 
we're still not even into February. We're not even at the trade deadline yet. If if we're just past the trade deadline and the Leafs are going on a, a four or five game losing streak, and you're looking at Montreal maybe passing you in the standings and maybe falling out of a wild card spot, then you're maybe starting to panic. But we're still kind of in late January. You know the Leafs can pick it up, and and you know Austin Matthews isn't going to go another couple games without a goal. I wouldn't be shocked if he scores one here in the next hour or two. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. We'll see who Dubis goes out and picks up uh, at the deadline. I I know you boys saw his uh, presser the other day, but uh, I think uh, he might have been throwing some shade out there. He's going to get a couple players at the deadline. It seems to be a foregone conclusion from the uh, members of the media. I know the insiders have all said the same thing, essentially that he's active and he's trying to make an addition to the team. Uh, do you have anybody in mind, like uh, realistic uh, targets or anything? I, I've heard a few names thrown around, but haven't really read too much into it at this point. Yeah, the, the rumors are that some Leaf scouts have been at Carolina Hurricanes games, so uh, you're obviously going to going to attach the 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 Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes with a defenseman going to Toronto. So uh, it's not going to be Jacob Slavin. I think we know that. So you're probably looking at a guy like Brett Brett Pesci, a guy like Justin Falk. I wouldn't mind Justin Falk. We all know how good he can be when he's on his game. And maybe over the last year and a half, he hasn't been great or been that elite top-pairing defenseman in Carolina, but there's still so much potential with Falk. So maybe he's a name that Dubas goes after. Uh, I think Pesci's another one to look at uh, on the blue line. And I think Leaf fans might get a, a bit delusional if they, they think Alex Petrangelo is going to get traded to Toronto. I, I don't know about you guys, but can't see that happening. Jake Muzzin probably can't see that happening either because Kyle Dubas is a smart general manager. doesn't want to give up uh, his first-round picks or draft picks, so uh, probably won't see one of those superstar D-men come to Toronto. He's not Peter Shirelli. No, he is definitely not. <laughs> so but we, would, God. we wouldn't be interested in doing the Dougie, would we, either, Tyler, out of... Uh... Out of yeah, I didn't even I didn't want to bring that name up just because like where there's smoke, there's fire. It's like why isn't Dougie working anywhere he goes? Like why didn't he work in Calgary? Why is his name already on the block in Carolina? Like do you really want to bring Dougie, who who could have been a Leaf, as you guys know? Yes. Do you really want to bring Dougie to Toronto into this room? Which the room seems like it's working pretty well and. I don't know if you bring Hamilton into that mix, who knows what happens. Yeah, it's a good point. It's yeah. a weird story, and I was surprised to hear his name on the block once again. And while at the same time, uh, Michael Michael Furland, obviously uh, because of his contract situation, is uh, sounds like he's for sure to be traded. And the, there's high demand for a, a player like him. Uh, you know, what do you make of this uh, narrative? I guess that was being spun lately in regards to the Leafs' ability to not play tough enough or playoff brand hockey. Uh, Michael Furlan, I, I, I kind of segmented me into that in that he's the type of sandpaper player that, you know, we have a little bit in maybe with Zach Hyman, but is is that a department you're concerned of at all? Uh, concerned? It's tough. I, I'm probably in the middle on that. I'm not like too concerned or thinking about it every day, but uh, when you do look at the thick of things and then you, you kind of dissect the team when they're losing, you, you're like, all right, maybe a, a guy like a Furland or like a Wayne Simmons could help and could help up one of the young guys if they take a bad hit in the playoffs or late in the season or something like that. Uh, but it's hard to get those players. It's it's going to be hard for a team to get Michael Furland. They're gonna they're gonna give up a probably a, a I don't want to see a first round pick for Furland, but they'll give up a roster player. They'll give up a draft pick. And first of all, I don't know why the Carolina Hurricanes want to trade Furland. That's a, another question. Yeah. Um, but the Leafs could use a guy like that. But it clearly seems to me like Kyle Dubas and the rest of the guys in the management team don't think they really need that or else they wouldn't have traded Matt Martin. 
That's right. Yeah, good point. Like, you know, I, I said earlier today to uh, I'm in a chat with uh, some Leaf uh, some Leaf fans, and uh, you know, I was mentioning to them that basically I don't know why, but I just have this call it a blind faith, if you will, um, in Kyle Dubas. I I don't even. I mean, I guess you can point to his success in the Sioux. And I guess for me personally, my heartstrings get tugged a little bit because there is a Sheldon Keefe factor uh, rooted mm-hmm. deep within this team. Um, you know, I, I always come back to that at certain times whenever there's adversity. I was saying this, I believe, last year around this time when we went through, we as a team went through this same thing where we couldn't get it going and Mitch was being demoted to the fourth line. And I mean, look at him go now. So hopefully Nylander does a little bit of that too. But basically I can't help but start thinking about that. And I don't want to be the guy that starts the fire Babcock uh, hashtag because that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just (laughs) trying to say that I think that Dubas has a vision and I don't personally believe that Babcock is a part of that vision, even though he was there when they brought him in. That's interesting. I really haven't heard anyone bring that up, but I guess we'll see what happens. Babcock certainly has a couple more years left and is making, I think, the most money as a head coach in the National Hockey League. So uh, I would love to see Sheldon Keith get an opportunity like you, Josh, but unfortunately I think Keith ends up getting a gig somewhere else. But he is Kyle Dubas's guy. They're, they're really good friends. Like maybe he becomes an assistant coach at some point with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but maybe in the offseason here, uh, maybe the Marlies go back further in the playoffs. Maybe they don't win the Calder Cup again, but if, even if they do get far in the playoffs, I'm sure he'll be on another NHL team's radar. So I don't know about the Babcock thing for, from you, Josh. It's certainly an interesting point. Well, um, let's go. I wouldn't, sorry to interrupt, Tyler. Let, let's go and I were yep. talking about this earlier on the pod, and it was basically like if you had, I guess if you had the two coaches, um, what, sorry, what were we talking about? Let's go with the oh Marty uh, Marty St. Louis coming in as a uh, consultant, right? Special, a, teams, special teams consultant. Yeah. Are we maybe seeing a forward movement within the league to have guys be in a specific capacity with a team, and therefore maybe we may be able to retain the services of someone like a Keith, a, a bit of a diamond in the rough, I guess, if you will, if you can call a coach that, um, but you know, to keep them involved within the organization without having to lose them to another team. Maybe. I think best-case scenario, yeah, I would agree with that. But um, I think Keith's name was out there for that Rangers job until they hired David Quinn. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if his name's out there for some other coaching vacancies when coaches get canned near the end of the season. Uh, that's the best-case scenario. And as a Leafs fan, uh, I see where you're coming from. You're, you're going to want a guy like Keith, who obviously is a very, very smart man. The, the way he's coaching down in the American Hockey League is, is amazing. And he's a, he's a Calder Cup champion now, but Best-case scenario, yeah, he sticks around and, and hopefully does a role like that. I, I just like to see him become an assistant coach maybe with the Leafs, and if he does prove to be maybe a, a better head coach for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, maybe himself just being the guy he is pushes Babcock out at some point, and that's not going to be soon, but maybe down the line. I think it'd be interesting uh, to see what happens because he had had the opportunity. I guess the first question he was asked after they won the Calder Cup was, what are you doing? Like, you fast track the NHL, you're going somewhere else. He's like, no, I'm happy to stay here. And then signed right on. He was, you know, he stuck around. Uh, I, I think at this point, uh, the conversation around Babcock, probably for the first time since the beginning of his contract, is, is, is there's a bit of a pressure on him right now because he has the personnel. 
So there's not a lot of excuses when the team's performing poorly, and especially when your star players aren't aren't necessarily putting up the points expected of them. So do you think at this point that maybe he's feeling it a little bit, and that's why we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of uh, changes in the lineup? Yeah, quite possibly, and I think guys are guys in that position are kind of feeling it um, at all points of the season. But uh, who really knows what happens, boys? I, I kind of just want to see how the season plays out and leave those questions to the guys that, that make a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I guess at the end of the day, Tyler, one thing I wanted to ask you specifically as a fan of the team, um, you know, I know you like you want to be objective, you want to be re- realistic. If there was if there was a big move to be had out there for the Leafs, would you be willing to, you know, give up a lot to get something substantial on the back end? No. No, I don't think so. Like are you talking about like let's just say like the 2019 first round pick yeah sure like something val something of value right like something that holds a lot of it was value. interesting to hear those reports as well that their first round pick is allegedly in play uh in their search mm. for a defenseman i just think kyle dubas values picks too much like he's he's so smart that he's not willing to give up the picks he still thinks the team could win without giving up a pick and without going to get whoever comes along if you do trade that pick so uh, I do not think he gives up the first round selection, but as I said, I still think he goes out and gets someone. I just don't think the Leafs' first round pick will be involved. He he just never really has done that. Like his track record hasn't shown that he's given up high picks. He has a plan in place. Clearly, boys, you know that. Like yeah. his plan definitely doesn't include trading his first round pick in 2019. He's probably going to want to make that. So I don't think he he gives up some some future assets here as we head towards the trade deadline, but I still do think that you might see a roster player off this Leafs roster go and someone else come in. I think the dream scenario for me, boys, and you probably agree with this, it's uh, it's Simmer, Wayne Simmons. I'd love to see him oh, in the future. Yeah. We talked about this last episode. Uh, uh, right at the end of the episode, I said that was my one guy. Give, give, give me some Wayne Simmons all day. We might not even have to fucking make a move on the blue line. You could be a hero for hometown hero. Oh, that guy's been one of my favorite players ever since he came into the NHL, so I'd be pumped. Uh, I'm sure Leaf fans will be pumped. His family will get to go to a lot of the games. He, he's from Scarborough, which isn't too far from Scotiabank Arena. So that's the dream move. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher will want to trade him to the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Toronto Maple Leafs will end up giving up as much as Fletcher will want. But, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the dream move for me, boys, because we talked about a, a big guy who could maybe come in like a Furlan. Simmons is, is the cream of the crop for that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think it's interesting that you say, uh, you know, talk about Kyle uh, Dubas Val overvaluing picks to a certain degree because that seems to be the policy of the Leafs ever since Shani really came in is that we're not trading our picks, we're drafting, we're developing. That's been the focus. I just wonder if the kind of the change in circumstance for the uh, how good the team is might uh, – make them more inclined to consider offers. Yeah, it definitely might be. And I, I'm just kind of thinking, like, what other teams in the past have kind of given up a first-round pick to maybe get a bit better. And I, I just literally remember, like, remember when Jim Rutherford gave up that late first-round pick, which was, I think, 30th in that draft for Ryan Reeves? Like, they mm-hmm. wanted to get a bit bigger, and <clears throat> maybe it, it, Reeves didn't work in Pittsburgh, but... Uh, that was a team, and, and maybe Rutherford is not as young as Dubas and doesn't have a crazy plan for the Pens. They just have a really super skilled team. But uh, they were a team that gave up a first-round pick 
And yes, it was for Ryan Reeves, but it, it really didn't really work out in their favor. I just don't think he, uh, he he really wavers from his plan. But maybe if the Leafs start to lose some more games and the pressure starts to build up, maybe he, he changes his mind. Well, I feel like it's more important for Dubas and the Leafs management to want to build a structure that you know rivals the Red Wings in their 25 years and maybe like maybe more so the Red Wings in their 25 years and not so much the Pittsburgh and Chicago LA win a couple and then maybe uh, face some adversity I guess I take Pittsburgh off that list because they haven't faced quite as much of adversity but we see the LA's and the Chicago's of the world really come to a crashing halt uh, after some uh, some success over a few short years Oh, if you can build a team like the Detroit Red Wings were, like, how many cups are you going to win in the next 10 years? If, if you can actually replicate that, I think your team would probably be in the, the East Final, what, every year? Like, every other year almost they should be? I'll take that all day. Yeah, I would take one East Final. I would take a final of anything. I always figured <laughs> that One was... East Final? Yeah, so would I. <laughs> that was, and, and that's been the philosophy of the Shannon plan as well, is that not just a, a team that can win, you know, win you a couple of cups, but a team that's going to be a perpetual competitor. Yeah, and that's all you can really ask for, isn't it, at the end of the day? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you want to, bang, you want to build like Patriots type shit, speaking of them who just found their way back in the Super Bowl finals. I mean, that's that's got to be the most successful sports franchise or run or whatever you want to call it, dynasty, we've ever seen. And you look at the Oilers of the 80s, and it's hard, obviously much harder to replicate in this era, but I got to think that's the plan. I watch one Patriots yeah. I watch one Patriots game a year, and it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so do I, actually. I, I, I kind of watched that uh, that championship game last week but i had had to go to hockey mid game but imagine the Leafs became a team like the patriots which will never happen let's just say that they're they're never going to be a there's never going to be a dynasty yet i think like the patriots in sports but uh fans would hockey fans would hate the Leafs even more than they already hate them which i didn't even think was possible (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you underestimated the uh ability of the troll and the hater i think (laughs) i guess yeah all right, well, listen, Tyler, I guess that's it. We'll call it a wrap. Listen, uh, you've given us uh, more than we could have asked for, Tyler. We really appreciate uh, having you on the pod, man. It means a lot, and uh, I think it goes uh, I think it goes well. We love having you. Yeah, boys, I'm, I'm game to come on any time. Thanks again for having me, and uh, hopefully things start to get better for the, uh, for the Leafs. That'd well, be they awesome. just scored, as you said that. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Caps did, yeah. All no, things are going downhill from here. Well, no, the Caps scored. Now the Leafs have just scored. Unless maybe I just oh, maybe oh, I just broke the oh. news. Yeah, I missed it. I guess my Reddit stream. Oh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're on Reddit, Reddit stream. stream. The guy fucking yeah. works for serious. He doesn't even have it. Come on. Yo, th- no th- thing is, no. I, I have the a whole NHL game center, but it like Reddit streams are legitimately faster, like and less laggy, which is crazy, isn't it? Oh, I've, I see what you I've mean. So the that. quality is better. They're they're like quality is way better. Yeah, they're they're like straight HD. I've had more success with certain games, like than on Reddit streams, than I have oh, like, right from TSN or Sports. Cheeky goal from Kadri. All right. That was a cheeky goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. All right, man. He just wanted to get Willie an assist. Eh? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Get those get those points piled up. All right, listen, man. Uh, again, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully uh, you make your way up to the uh, Ottawa Valley area. Are you still thinking about attending one of those Sens games up this way, or what? Yeah, I think I have to before the year, and maybe I'll head up there with uh, the one J Con, and and we'll make it a trip. Well, yeah, I'm going well, to a game in March, so yeah. I know Leafs and Sens are playing in March. I'm heading up there. 
Right on. Ooh, all right. I might have to go to that. Actually, yeah, that is uh, that's usually during my uh, vacation week, but I'm not taking it this year, so I'll uh-huh. be, we should make a uh, an effort to uh, attend that game. Let's do it, boys. All right, man. We'll set a date. I'll have my people contact your people. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Make sure they do. Is it Boomer? Is that who I would contact? Is that like your it's, guy? Is, <laughs> it's his girlfriend. No, it, it's Boomer's guy. It's not Boomer himself. It's his guy. Oh, yeah, Boomer's, Boomer's got, got a guy. Several guys yeah, he, for he's sure. Yeah. Big enough for a guy, right? <laughs> Fuck. All right, man. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Take it easy, boys. Cheers. Yeah. All right. So that was Tyler Mataraz. And geez, let's go. I mean, those calls are great. Guy's money. I fucking love having a chat with that guy. Yeah, that guy's money. Beauty. Love it. Um, again, knows his shit. Was able to give us some good perspective. I I, I like how uh, and he's and he talked about this the first time we had him on. Right? He said, "Listen, uh, uh, actually, I remember when I went down there. He said, Josh, I know you're a big Leaf fan, but um, you know you're probably going to draft a couple of Leaf players in your pool. But maybe do what you can to not like just go on and on about the Leafs, 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 Leafs right? Because the the listeners hate it. He yeah. said, Yeah, yeah, right. So so he probably." has to well not probably he has to model his <laughs> approach on the radio around you know making sure not to offend the majority yeah, of the yeah. listeners uh so i wanted him to be able to open up a little bit more and i think we got that out of him a little bit towards the end there kind of you know talking a little bit more as a fan as opposed to um you know the objective guy that he has to be mm-hmm. on on channel 91 every day yeah well, he puts a lot of thought in these things too, and you can you can tell. And the guy's very well spoken, and definitely enjoy having him on the show. Uh, I mean, I feel like you'd ask the guy questions for hours because he's just got you know bang on insight and very knowledgeable about the game and what's going on in the NHL. I think it's uh it's interesting too that he has to cater to that audience because you assume that the people who want to listen to Leaf Talk are listening to the, the regional stations like TSN Radio and Sportsnet because their shows that's what you should are do. pretty much Leaf-dominated. Yeah, right? that's what you should they, do. They only talk Leafs for the most part uh, when it comes to hockey. So if you're listening to Sirius, you're probably listening to it because you want to hear See, not and, Leafs. And the funny thing is with us now, recently because of the podcast, I've been consuming more um, media, You know, whether it be other podcasts or... I've been reading more articles. Um, I before then, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time consuming leaf specific stuff because, like, if they're not giving me breaking news, I didn't really care. You know what I'm getting at? Right. Like, they were just fa- I know that they're media, and maybe they've got a fingernail inside the room or whatever, but they don't know. It was all speculation about this and that and, oh, they might get fired and they might hire this guy and they might trade for this guy. But at the end of the day, my news came from, you know, the PR team, which went to the media and then came to my ears or my eyes. I didn't really want to be persuaded by, you know, certain members of the media who are speaking about the Leafs all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. I'd rather get a broad horizon of the whole league and then have my own Leaf thoughts that are un... Whatever uninfluenced, I guess is what I should say. Hmm. Yeah. So I, when I'm consuming, like, what I read a lot of the uh, athletic, for example, um, it's it's really the analysis. I think it's that, good content. Yeah. It's, it's it's there's good content and there's good analysis, good stories, good analysis, and that's really what I'm into. Because in terms of the breaking news, like I'm listening to sports radio or, or you know reading Twitter or whatever all the time. Yeah. Following what's going on, so the news, you know, Quick general refresh. headlines. 
find their way to me it's 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 the more in-depth stuff that i enjoy i think and that provides value anyway and you do find more like statistics and stuff that you wouldn't otherwise know you know like you wouldn't otherwise know that hey i have this opinion let's say and then you read a couple of articles that are a little bit more in-depth and as as it turns out maybe the way you think is actually wrong because the guy's playing a lot better due to this and that and the other thing that you didn't consider but you have to be able to take it all in and make your own, like formulate your own opinion after reading it all. You can't just piggyback and say, you know, the exact same stuff yeah. that, that you hear or that you read. That's right. Right? So, all right, well, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Timing actually worked out pretty well. I didn't expect to have him on for, for that long. I, I hope he doesn't think that we take too long. I don't think he thinks that way. Eh? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm looking at the thing, and it, we, we had him for 45. That was a 45-minute call. That was 45 minutes? Yeah, wow. bud. Yeah, what a so that's what I'm saying. I know. So uh, listen, I promised that I would do some fantasy stuff, so I'm just going to give you my quick notes that I made. Um, of course, in Yahoo Fantasy this week, it's a double week. So the week that's happening as we speak right now on a Wednesday, it's still going to be going on seven days from now next Wednesday. So um, I just wrote down some teams here, Lesko. Uh, some teams that only play one game after the all-star break so if you have guys that you can lose off of your roster i'm not telling you to drop a first line player off this team but if you have guys from the following teams that you could afford to drop i would drop them following teams only play one game anaheim arizona colorado la san jose st louis and vancouver so those aforementioned teams uh, one game, if you can drop a guy and pick someone up from the following three teams who play four games, you will be adding man games to your weekly matchup and probably be in great shape. So the th other three teams that I wanted to mention, they play four times following the break. That's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg. So... You know, you might have a, a guy on Arizona, third liner, second liner, something like that on St. Louis, Vancouver, Anaheim. Drop them, pick up a, a grinder or someone on Philly, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, because you're definitely going to get some shots on goal at the very least. And depending on what categories you run, uh, you're going to come out ahead of the game by some schedule manipulation. And then last little final thing I wanted to bring up, fantasy related. Um, some players uh, that are severely under-owned in the Yahoo Fantasy universe, so players that are under 30% that could be picked up by you. Brock Nelson, David Krejci, those guys are at 27% owned. Ryan Dezingle for the Senators, playing well this year, he is 29% owned. And then this is the hugest uh, shock for me, and I think you were even shocked, Lesko, when I told you this. Michael Backlund for the Calgary Flames, a centerman, only 19% owned right now. The guy is on fire right now, and he's also like plus 26 or something like that on a Calgary Flames team that also, spoilers alert, has a fantastic schedule coming home in terms of the teams that they play. So Michael Backlund would be someone that I'd be running to right now at 19% owned. I can't believe he's not higher. Should be. 
I have Should nothing be hard. to add. <laughs> Should be hard. I, yeah, I know you have nothing to add. I told you it was basically just a little scratch pad with some notes. I told the listeners that I was going to do more fantasy, so I gave them this little tidbit for next week. It's the same week, so you should I can't... post pictures of that that little piece of paper on your Twitter. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, well, they're yeah. chicken scratches at best. I mean, like that's you try like and fit da so Vinci much code. text on a small piece of paper too, like you, <laughs> using the smallest piece of paper to fucking write that. Well, shit they're on. Michael Coleman Insurance Brokers Limited, by they're oh, fucking their beauties, cool. right? I want okay. some ad money for that. All right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Listen, so that's going to do it here for episode. Wait, I want to leave the listeners with a fun fact. Okay. Fun fact. Let's fun fact. It. There's a trade tree, okay, that leads from Mark Messier being traded from the Edmonton Oilers. And what it ends with at the very end of this trade tree is Ryan Spooner going on waivers. No. Yeah. Really? So there are several players in like 20 years. Chris Pronger factors in there too. Can you tweet that out? I, uh, yeah, I actually, I have retweeted it. So if you follow me on Twitter, check it out. We'll do it um, for the, uh, the, uh, the pod Twitter as well. Yeah, the absolutely. We'll, we'll put it out there for the listeners. If you want to check it out. That's but crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. I love these trade trees where it traces over like 20, 30 years and the connections, but yeah, Pronger's in here, Eberle, Strom. And how the are the connections? Like, just because said player so, that was traded, traded for so-and-so, traded and for still so-and-so, playing, and, and he's still playing. They're connected, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very cool. It is. That does seem cool. All right, well, what what else was very cool was uh, being joined by Tyler Madaraz. So we hope you enjoyed that, and thanks again to Tyler for joining us. And we will look forward to the next time that we can bring on our friend of the show, Tyler Madaraz. So thanks for joining us, episode 18 uh, for the Pucks and Deep podcast, I'm Josh Coleman signing off for Adam Lesko. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Coleman42, and at Lesko Adam. Till next week. <laughs>